Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like and every positive review and every additional subscriber really does make a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to see you at our upcoming live show at Busker's On The Ball Temple Bar in Dublin on August 21st with our special guest, Sky Sports NFL analyst Phoebe Schechter. Full details on the website and on our social channels and tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. We'd love to see you then. Now, on with today's show. Welcome back into the Irish Football Show. We are into the second week of preseason action. The Seattle Seahawks face the Dallas Cowboys this weekend, and whilst it's not the real deal, we are getting closer to week one, Thursday, the 7th of September, when the Chiefs open the season. But we're going to have a bit of Seattle Seahawks talk now. Tim Wooten's returned to the show after his long absence as Seattle AP News. Tim, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me back on. I really appreciate you asking me to, to jump on today. An interesting year, uh, Tim, for the Seattle Seahawks. I, I, I'll jump back to this time last year because at this stage last year, everybody was, was fearing the worst and people outside of the organization felt this was going to be a real down year. It wasn't to be, but far from it. They make the playoffs and Geno Smith has a fantastic season. I mean, John Slider doesn't, I know he, he you know, GMs and he, he seems to float under the radar in terms of the level of scrutiny he gets, but he's done such a significant and great job over the course of the last year. How, how can you not be impressed with him and what Pete Carter took? He looked re-energized. Yeah, it does. It does feel like the franchise was kind of, um, I don't want to say reborn, but like you put the combination of trading Russell Wilson and the expectations being as low as they were going into last season. And then you have the kind of success that they did, surprisingly so, last season. Um, it really rejuvenated sort of everybody involved with the franchise, not to, um, you know, whether it was the front office with, with John and the moves that they made or the coaching staff with Pete and sort of his never-ending youthful energy to just kind of the way the locker room was. Um, it was like sort of this, it was like a vitamin B shot that the entire franchise got um, and just sort of re- rejuvenated everything about them um, last season and and. So it's it's made for it's made for an off season where there was a lot of excitement that I don't think necessarily people thought there was going to be, um, because everyone can kind of see where this has the potential of going. They can see the improvements that have been made. They can see the um, the players that they brought in. They can see some of the moves that that John is trying to do to bolster the roster, and then they see the potential that comes that's coming with that right now. How do you think they are managing the expectations that you're on? I know like they've been here before and Seattle had a really successful period, but as you say, you touched on it there, it's it's all reversed from where they were this time last year. And there's a lot of various different media outlets and podcasts suggesting they'll run the 49ers close for the division if they don't win the division. People are saying they're not being really picked up and picked up in terms of they could make a real surge this year in the playoffs. You think Pete and, and John, well, maybe more so Pete Carr, because obviously he's coaching and the coach that comes with it when I keep their feet on the ground and saying, this is very much where we were last year. Let's just focus on ourselves and not think too much of what's been said outside. outside. Because 12 months ago, people were fearing the worst outside and he probably was rallying the troops. Yeah, th- this group has always been really good. The, the, the administration, the coaching staff, has always been really good at, at finding ways to manage the expectations, whether they're, they were super high and trying to keep people 
you know, within bounds of, of what's reasonable or if they were uh, super low and they were trying to, you know, live up or, or surpass what people were expecting. The thing with this group is that it's still a really young group. Um, they're relying a lot on the, you know, their, their past few draft classes to, to fill into some key spots. And that's why I think some of the moves that they did this off season were really important. You know, as, as much as Bobby Wagner, we've seen as a, as a all pro linebacker, um, you know, he's going into what his 12th, 12th season or something crazy, crazy like that. Like he's been through basically every experience you could have as a, as an NFL player and, He's coming back here not only with the expectation to play well, but to also kind of help manage a locker room that has a lot of young players in in key positions. Um, you know, Geno Smith is another example of a guy who's been through a lot in his career and has learned kind of some of the ways to, you know, keep people under um, focused on on what they need to be focused on uh, to be successful on the field. So. I think they're. I, I don't. I don't actually anticipate them having trouble managing the the fact that the expectations are higher for them this year than maybe they had been, um, I, because I think they have a good a good group around who kind of understand what has to go into that process for you to be successful during the season. When, when an NFL move was made, it was a free agency trade and even drafts. People kind of reflecting, oh, why couldn't that particular player not have that situation, or why couldn't they not do things? You see the Packers are like. You see Aaron Rodgers recontracting when Packers fans are probably saying, why didn't he recontract for us? And Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson's fans may say, why didn't he not beef up the offensive line when he was there? Because last year you have Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas both drafted and you touched on the youthfulness of these players and how good they've been. But they were two really significant players last year and great in their fourth year. Do you think there's, upon reflection, some Seahawks fans who... We're kind of very, I suppose, attached to the Russell Wilson side. Where I said, why didn't he have that situation put upon him by John Snyder and the team? Is that fair? Yeah, unfair. Well, I think I think in the in the initial, I think initially there was, um, because, you know, you trade you trade away this franchise quarterback who's been sort of everything to your team for 10, 10 years, and then you go out and sort of beef up the one area that he always complained about needed needing to be better for them to have success. Um, you know, but some of that was the result of them trading him away. Like that, some that Charles Crossbeck came because of of that trade. Um, and then you see what Russell did last year in Denver. Denver was supposed to have a pretty good offensive line last year, and then you saw what his performance was like last year. And you coupled that with how Geno played last year, and it felt like while that was something that was talked about beforehand, and it was something that was kind of a, a talking point throughout the offseason program a year ago, and as we got into training camp, once you started to see the results on the field. And Gino started to play a lot better than most people were expecting, and this team started to have success early on. People got very quiet. Any anyone who was complaining about that got very quiet very quickly. Um, and in the process, you know, whether it's Gino for the for the future or somebody else at some point, uh, Seattle's got their book in tackles at least for the next three years, um, and that's that's a big thing for their stability and their success offensively is having those positions kind of settled in a way to your point that they never really did after those couple of Super Bowl teams um, you know a decade ago uh, I suppose people are kind of comparing this defense now because it's so stacked in Legion and Boom we could argue this defense is you know player for player there's more players available in terms of position of need and you know you have two safeties and digs and Adams coming back from injury you've seen I suppose you see what cornerbacks in Tariq won and Kobe Bryant did last year 
Witherspoon comes in, a high-end pick again from the train. I mean, they're in such a strong position defensively. Do you know, since the Pete Carter's kind of looked at it and said, let's try and get back to the old lanes of what we were a couple of years ago when it was very much BCL's defense first and foremost before you even consider stopping the offense side of the team? Yeah, I think, I think in terms of the secondary, there's definitely that sort of, you can see that ceiling, I guess, for their for their potential. Um, they may not have the across-the-board high-end skill that all those guys had that created that secondary that was so good, but they have a lot of depth of, um, of guys who are just really exceptional. And not they may not be the best at their spots, but they're really good. And you have enough of those across the board, you can create a secondary that is... You know, that is among, should be among the better secondary units in the league. The thing with this defense that is still kind of the big question for this year is they really struggled stopping the run last year. And in theory, having Bobby Wagner back should help with some of that. They should be able to be a little bit more stout and not maybe give up as many chunk runs as they did last year. But they still have some questions on the, on the defensive front. And until those questions are solved, mostly about kind of how they're going to play on the interior of the defensive front, um, I don't think you can necessarily say that this team is going to, you know, their calling card this year is going to be their defense. I think there's the potential that their defense could be good, um, but it's something that we're going to have to sort of see it before we believe it. We're going to have to see them go out and stop the run, be able to shut down teams in the, in the past game, be able to rely on that tremendous secondary early in the season. If they're able to do that, then yeah, it takes so much more stress off of their offense because last year a few times their offense really kind of had to try and go out and win some games, especially early in the season. Um, if they can if they can clean up some stuff defensively and be especially against the run and be better, then yeah, I think this I think this defense has a chance to um to, to be to be pretty good for this year. Is Draymond Jones the kind of X Factor player that maybe they didn't have last year. It's a you know it's a major pickup in free agency early you know mid March and obviously you saw the potential and what he did in in Denver. Is he a kind of player that can fit into the system and we could be looking at him say November with a high amount not necessarily a huge amount of sacks but so impactful on the defense that allows other players to get sacks on the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's a big he's a really big piece. Um, they you know you remember when how Michael Bennett and favorable used to be so disruptive from those end positions i think they're kind of hoping that that draymond can create that level of um that level of disruption from the position that he's going to play i think as much as like he, he's a huge pickup and and i think he should make that defense um that defensive front better from the jump the 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 interesting one right now is they brought back jaron reed um and he had played kind of more of a, what you would consider a traditional tackle defensive tackle position when he was here previously they've kind of asked him to shift over and play more of a of a nose tackle in this in this system this year and they don't really have a whole lot of depth behind him and so that's kind of the big question right now is can Jaron replay that position down in and down out can he be that um can he be sort of that stout guy that they need in the middle there to, to help stop the run him and Draymond working together I think is going to be really, really big for the success that this defense has because if they're able to really clog up the middle the way that they're hoping to, um, then this defense really, really has a chance to take that take that jump from last year that we that they need to if they're gonna um, if they're gonna close some of that gap with with San Francisco in the division. 
the, the week um, in which the running back market would kind of explode in the sense of ag deadlines and contracts and players that you contracts was a week in which Seattle picked up two injuries to running backs and you look at that as a sample really an example to say this is why teams won't pay running backs because like, even in camp you're fighting players get injured I see Kenneth Walker today as the time of recording is back on the field and you know, the activities here. So it looks like he's pretty much good to go. Obviously, won't play, you know, in the, in the pre, pre-season game. But you, you touched on there in terms of having players available and being stacked in certain positions. Is running back anything that you'd be concerned? Or I know the rookies come in, we'd be interested to see how we play as if he hits the ground running similar to Kenneth Walker last year. But he obviously seemed to quite a very rotational type piece and say, you know, is there reliance on, on Walker or do you think it'd be even Well, if you'd asked me this a month ago, I would have thought, oh, it's going to be Ken Walker and then you're going to have, you know, a little bit here and there from the other guys, but to your point, I mean, he it's almost instantly had a sort of a nagging little groin injury that's slowed him down. And then um, Kenny McIntosh, who I know they're they're very high on because of his, he just brings something a little different to their to their, uh, you know, that running back group. Uh, you know, he sprains his knee in this ugly, ugly tackle during the um, first preseason game. So, and he's all indications are those guys are going to be back by week one you know as you pointed out walker is doing a little bit um it sounds like he's going to ramp up his activity a little bit over the next week um but i don't think but i don't think he's um i don't think we'll see him during any of the preseason games i think week one is probably the first time we're going to see him and mcintosh is is um is going to be kind of i think they want to use him as that third down guy to be that dynamic kind of piece out of the backfield that maybe they didn't quite have last year but back to what you were originally asking yeah Zach Charbonnet is going to have a role he's going to have a big role um and I think this week is going to be kind of telling he this is sort of his week to to get a bulk of the carries I think during the against Dallas I think you're going to see him play probably a big chunk of the first half and you're going to, and this is his chance to show that, yeah, if, if something happens with Ken Walker or he needs a blow or we need to be in more of a rotation that he can sort of take on that kind of, um, that kind of load. And he's a much different runner than Ken Walker is. And so I think that, that, that contrast between the two, um, is something that'd be good. That's going to be good for Seattle's, Seattle's offense. But, um, yeah, this, assuming all things are healthy, I think you'd love to see like Ken Walker getting, you know, 20 to 22 carries a game and Zach Charbonnet is getting like five or six, but in a way, in a way to kind of keep guys healthy and, and keep some of the strain off of them, that might be a little bit closer to 50, 50, maybe as we get, when we get the season. Um, your the two first round picks, which is Bill and Smith and Jigba for various reasons, differing reasons are two very explosive players. You, you look at the footage in terms of Witherspoon in college, it was lights out stuff and Smith and Jigba with, uh, you know, the content we saw him coming over Ohio State was fantastic. Is it a real feel of this is a potential opportunity for a really explosive offense? But you know, I mean, you team him up with Metcalf and Lockett, and yeah, I was going to get the sense was they were the two main men over the course of the last three to four years. There was never really that third receiver, slot receiver that was really dynamic for the team. Is he that? Is again? Is he? We'll go with X Factor. Is he the X Factor? Or should we be expecting big things because of the nature of he's such an explosive first round pick? I think I think if you're talking about an offensive X factor, it's it's Smith and Jigba. It's it's we call him JSN just because we're so tired. He's yeah, it's so easy. His, yeah, his full name. But um, yeah, I mean he he has he has a smoothness and a fluidity to the way he runs routes, the way he catches the ball, the way he high points the ball, the way he goes out and uses his hands to catch it. It's it's 
just very, very natural. Um, and yeah, you go back to, I mean, really the days when Doug Bolden was kind of your number three receiver and Seattle's come in kind of searching for that number three guy since then, you know, at times it was, you know, maybe the Tyler Lockett when he was early in his career was kind of that guy, but then you realize, oh, he needs to be more part of it. So we're going to put him outside and let him do more. Um, you know, they kind of hoped that the Eskridge at one time was going to be, was going to be that guy. And he just hasn't, you know, for various reasons, hasn't developed into being that player. This is a guy you look at in Smith and Jigba and you go, that guy's a stud and that guy is going to be, that guy has the potential to play in the league for a long time and be really productive and be really successful. And that's not something CL has been able to say about like a number three receiver for them for a long time. I think, I think in the big picture of the future and how this team evolves over the next few years, I think you can see a situation where he sort of eventually develops into taking sort of what Tyler Lockett's role is now because Tyler's getting up there and, in age a little bit and in, in his, his years in the league. But um, it, there's 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 a lot of potential for this offense this year. And it's it's you have a really dynamic young running back kind of tandem. You have a veteran in Tyler. You have one of the most physical, freakish receivers we've, we've seen in a long time in DK. And now you're going to throw in this guy who is just a phenomenal, just natural pass catcher in Jackson Smith and Jigba. And it's... It, there's a lot of people excited about what this offense could be um, this year. Yeah, I was going to touch on it there. You addressed the, like, the whole evolution, and you imagine you look at his skill set, similar to Lockett, how he could evolve into the second round, similar to second wide receiver at some stage. I just want to touch on the division as well before we close out, because you could look at it, you can argue that this is a, a prime time slot in a sense, because there's not much expected from the Rams. And, and what I would say about that week one game, if anyone who's asked me, they've had numerous conversations. The Rams and the Seattle, no matter what their, what, no matter what their records are, when it's, it's been flipped, it was flipped last year compared to other years, um, they always play each other right. But if we saw the week 17 game, sorry, week 18 game, where they needed overtime to get the, get over the line to get the win. I mean, with the Cardinals as well, it seemed to be in a bit of a, from this free fall maybe but, but, but the level of expectation for the Cardinals is way down this year and the Rams from a certain extent it looks like it's, they're paying the mortgage on that Super Bowl win and still yeah. is um, is, it, is it right to say this is, this is a great opportunity because you think if they can match up with the 49ers in terms of when you play each other in these split the games and try to win the division again and then obviously the other various different games a huge opportunity to challenge them for the division yeah absolutely absolutely I mean it, you you should be 4-0 Against the Rams and the and the Cardinals, um, and then it's kind of how how things progress against the 49ers after that. And there, there, the gap between the two was pretty evident during the playoff game last year. Now, San Francisco's got its own issues right now. Whether you know whether Brock Purdy is healthy, to is Nick Bosa going to show up from his holdout? Um, you know they have they have their own issues that they have to figure out. And it feels like it feels like they have more issues to deal with right now than Seattle does but I think most people would agree that San Francisco across the board has more talent than Seattle does so that's maybe the gap to make up how Seattle made an improvement in its talent this offseason is it to the point of being able to challenge the 49ers yet I I don't know maybe if some of those issues are for the 49ers are lingering and they drop a game or two here or there that they maybe shouldn't then yeah you could be talking about Seattle as a as a division um, a division champion or a division contender um, this year. I think 
I think the high end for Seattle this year is you're contending for the division into into December and and January, and maybe you're the top wild card team um, in the NFC because it feels like the NFC's down as compared to the compared to the AFC right now. Um, so that opportunity could present itself for the Seahawks. But yeah, if if the if the breaks fall the way that Seattle needs them to, um, I absolutely could see them figuring out a way to to find themselves on top of the NFC West when we get to the end of the season. I wouldn't necessarily bet on that, but I don't necessarily see it as a outlandish proposition that that they end up winning the division. Many a team and many a fan will want the team play meaningful meaningful football in December. And I imagine Seattle this year will be uh, and we really appreciate your time as always going on the Irish NFL show. Hopefully during the season we'll catch you back on and Hopefully you're, you're celebrating a number, number of wins throughout the course of the season. But for now, we really appreciate your time as always. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate uh, you asking me too, and I'd be glad to come back on during the season. Yeah.